and welcome to episode two of the QB2 Experience podcast. Uh, you're listening to the voice of Salvatore Stefanelli, the regular co-host of this podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 2QBFFB. I uh, welcome my American friend Jim Sonis, who is celebrating some sort of a holiday this week, um, So, which means he gets the day off, maybe even a couple of days off while I'll be here working away. How are you doing, Jim? Um, bless Canada, though, for having a different Thanksgiving from, from America. Staffing reasons, you know, we need you know, we need guys to write up player news and stuff like that. It makes things a lot easier if a couple of them are from Canada. So, uh, Sal, I am in love with Canada and uh, <laughs> belated, very much belated, month and a half plus belated Thanksgiving to you as well. Wait, does this mean that uh, Number Fire is hiring for Thanksgiving? Because I'm available. Right, <laughs> exclusively for Thanksgiving. Hey, yo, JJ, <laughs> hit me up with a job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, side note, I did work for JJ once before at LateRoundQB.com. This is so true. I'm not sure if that's a heard good or this. a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so as we tend to do on this podcast, other than talk about each other's Thanksgivings, is uh, talk about quarterback streaming. So last week was my uh, first week back on the pod from a little vacation. So we'll start off as we usually do with the accountability section. So these are the quarterbacks we recommended last week as our top streamers. We had Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and Tyrod Taylor. Um, good job on us for talking about Cousins and Mariota. Both scored over 20 fantasy points. Marcus Mariota had 22.5, was a QB6, and Kirk Cousins was the QB3. And what was supposed to be a windy, no-good game for passing quarterbacks with 27.4 fantasy points ended the week as the QB3. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, though, um, after... Pretty much being one of the hottest fantasy quarterbacks in the league, put up a dud, 8.54 fantasy points, was the QB 26 on the week. And um, the one part of the game I actually watched, I was talking to Jim about this earlier, was um, the drive where Tyrod Taylor had a rushing touchdown callback because of a rich incognito penalty. Ugh. But, no, even if we you know lived in a world where that touchdown counted, Tyrod Taylor, I mean, 14.54 fantasy points would have been not bad, but he still would have been just a QB 18 on the week. Tilt. It would be. It's even more tilting than it's Richie Incognito with the holding call. Just a, just a <laughs> tremendous human being. Uh, he's a very good blocker, and he's helped LaShawn McCoy a ton, but, uh, you know, had to be Richie Incognito. Taking away all our fun. That's right. I mean, I thought he was about making America great. What's so great about oh, that? Man. Man. Come on, Richie. Oh. Make holding calls great. <laughs> Non-existent again. Uh, then the quarterback we recommended you sit if you had the um, capabilities of doing so is Carson Palmer. He did score more points than Tyler Taylor, but not a whole <laughs> lot. Only 13.02. Ended the week as a... Uh, QB 18 and what was a tough matchup that we thought so against the um, Minnesota Vikings. And, I mean, if you look at the stats, Palmer scored 13 points and he did throw two touchdowns, but he also threw two INTs, one of which was brought back 100 yards to the house by Xavier Rhodes, which that was a great week to start the Minnesota Vikings defense. Wow, no kidding. And, and the line movement in that game kind of suggested using Minnesota, too, because it was like it was a pick for most of the week. And then suddenly on Thursday, like 430, suddenly the Vikings became two and a half point favorites in like a blink of an eye. And it's like, huh, maybe they're trying to tell us something here. And apparently they were. I mean, Palmer still was fine from a, a fantasy sense, but hey, that game was not very good for Arizona. 
You know, it's just one of more of the benefits to you know read the lines every morning as yep. close to lock as you can because you really don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And then uh, our rapid fire recommendations of the week: we had um, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick who scored the exact same amount of fantasy points depending on the site you get your totals from. <laughs> uh, my site of choice is fantasydata.com where they said that both those quarterbacks scored 19.44 fantasy points tied for QB8 on the week. And then the other rapid fire was the dearly departed Cody Kessler, who scored 3.32 fantasy points in a game that led to another concussion for the Rook. Heesh. That was tough. I mean, like... He wasn't great before that uh, because I, I would assume the wind played a huge part in it. And he his one big weakness is his arm strength. So it's not exactly a guy built to thrive in those situations. But you just got to feel bad for him. You heard Joe Thomas after the game. He was saying that, you know, when you let high quality free agents leave on the offensive line, you kind of get what you pay for. They let Alex Mack go to Atlanta. He's amazing. Mitchell Schwartz went to Kansas city. When you let offensive linemen go like that, you kind of have to expect some bad things for your quarterback. And that's what happened to the Browns. And unfortunately, poor Cody Kessler is a guy who pays the price. Yeah, no, the Browns are now 0 11. We've already seen them start three different quarterbacks this year. There's talk of RG three, possibly getting some late season starts. They have Kevin Hogan and Joe Callahan on the practice squad. I would not be surprised if Josh McCown is not long for that starting quarterback job this season. If only if only Colin Shaw were still there, you know? <laughs> Could have freed him too. Bring back Austin Davis. Yeah, why not? I mean, but though the scary thing is if that team does get an offensive line or if they had yeah. kept Alex Mack they are in line to have maybe one of the more exciting offenses, may I say, with Terrell, the barn burner, duo of Crowell and Johnson. Yeah, and and Corey Coleman, too. Once he gets yeah. more time to pan out, there are some really good pieces on, in, on that offense, which is why I, as a, a shameless RG3 apologist, would love to see him start this year with those pieces in place. And obviously I look really stupid because I was a big uh, RG3 over Cousins guy, and Cousins has been the best quarterback in football the past four weeks. So I feel really stupid right about now. But I, I So I really need uh, some RG3 love before the end of this year. Please make me feel better about myself. I was definitely on that train, so okay. no need to apologize <laughs> on, on this podcast anyway. Right. All right, so that does it for week 11, moving up uh, – Moving us on to week 12, uh, so just a reminder, there's three Thanksgiving Day games this week, so make sure you get your lineup set early, and the West Coast that means a 9.30 a.m. start time. Uh, before we get into our actual streamers that we're going to talk about, just a quick note here, we both really like Dak Prescott this week, we're not going to spend any time really talking about him, but the uh, Cowboys-Washington game does have a... 51 over under with Cowboys 29.25 implied team total, 7.5 home favorites. Uh, we don't have to worry too much about the win, four miles per hour. And Dak Prescott pretty much is the Dak Prescott lately. So if you yeah. got him, you're starting him. Yeah, I think that actually I'd put Kirk Cousins kind of in that same air. 
uh, where it's a guy where I would start him every week at this point. If we look at uh, his past four games, based on Numberfire's net expected points metric, he has more passing net expected points the past four games than Marcus Mariota has the entire season. And Mariota's been really good by our metrics. So Kirk Cousins, if you have him, please start him. I know that the that Vegas isn't a huge fan of them. I know that the pace is slow for Dallas, which hurts him. But just load him up, please. He's really, really good right now. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely going to be a shootout. Mentioned Cousins. Since week two, there's only been one game where he hasn't scored at least 17 fantasy points. And Dak Prescott is currently riding a streak of 17 or more fantasy points dating back to week two. So wow. uh, I envision a game with a lot of passing, a lot of scoring, and a lot of turkey or tofurkey eating in that <laughs> one. Absolutely. All right. So um, <clears throat> I wrote an article earlier today on uh, 2QBs.com where I called Ryan Fitzpatrick the fit savior of Week 12 quarterback <laughs> streaming. And as I was talking to Jim off the podcast, when I first started doing research for today's podcast that you're listening to right now, I really did not like any <laughs> streaming quarterback. I opened up my schedule, my color code color-coded schedule in terms of no top defenses um, to start against, bottom defenses you want to fade, easy, tough, whatever you want to call it, strength of schedule uh, for the quarterback position. And that was the only name that really jumped out to me this week. You know, we have you know, Matt Ryan going up against the uh, Cardinals defense, um, Cam Newton, who you can't stream, going up against Oakland. Uh, Tennessee has been a defense you want to pick on lately, but they're probably going to be getting Matt Barkley, who you don't really want to start. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's going up a Ravens defense where he has no Geo or AJ Green, who we'll be talking about later. I just I kept going down the list and I just landed on Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. Um, I'm not sure if I might be the only one into Fitz <laughs> this week. I know Jim isn't that high into Fitzpatrick as I am, but just uh Quick tidbit from the um, article I wrote on 2QBs.com, which you can find on the homepage. Uh, in total, the Patriots have allowed six out of a possible ten top 12 fantasy finishes to the quarterback position this season. Uh, Tyrod Taylor in week four was just 1.02 points away from top 12. And the Browns duo of Charlie Whitehurst and Cody Kessler in week five were just 1.62 fantasy points away from top 12 finish. So we're this close to having eight out of ten quarterbacks to face the Patriots this season to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback or a, no, a QB1 in other words. And their average quarterback finish allowed this year has been QB13. Uh, this game currently sports a 47 over under. Uh, according to the uh, number fire DFS lineup helper page, uh, implied team total for the Jets is 19, and they're nine point home underdogs in a game that does have a current projection of 11 miles per hour for the win factor. As we kind of harp on this podcast every week, 10 miles per hour is the cutoff where you begin to get worried. Um, the quarterbacks this year to face the Patriots are scoring 18.5 fantasy points per game, which is the eighth most in the league. And that includes a 7.1 fantasy performance from our good friend Brock Osweiler. 
so far this year, excluding the Browns, Duo, and Ryan Tannehill, every quarterback but Tyrod Taylor in Week 4 exceeded their seasonal points per game average against the Patriots, and he was only not .96 points off the mark. Um, really, it's Brock Oswell and Landry Jones were the only two to not do anything against this Patriots defense, but in Landry Jones' defense, he is Landry Jones, and he did score 13 fantasy points, which I would actually say that is overachieving on the Landry <laughs> Jones point spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would totally agree with that. And he threw for 281 yards in that game. So it's not as if he did nothing. It just wasn't a great fantasy game because he didn't get the touchdowns. Um, but I guess, you know, you talked about how I'm not super into Fitzpatrick. A lot of that stems from the Jets' game plan ever since he kind of blew up. Um, they've been so conservative that it's hard for me to, to like him from a volume perspective. But... They're not going to have that luxury in this game. They really cannot hide Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game, given the spread in that game, with the Jets being nine-point underdogs. So that does kind of push me more towards your end of the spectrum, where he does make a decent amount of sense this week. Um, Like I said, nine-point underdogs are the Jets, meaning they're going to have to throw the football. And the Patriots haven't been prohibitive against opposing passing games this year. You would assume, or at least I would assume going in, that they would have been, because the Patriots... Uh, have been ahead so often this year. They've had teams in negative game script, which is generally where you expect a quarterback to struggle with his efficiency. But that really hasn't been the case so far uh, for opponents against the Patriots. The only quarterback that the Patriots have held to negative passing net expected points, which is our metric for efficiency, the only negative guy so far this year is Brock Osweiler. He isn't a, met, a guy a measuring stick for an opposing defense's abilities. Uh, they allowed Ryan Tannehill to throw for 387 yards, 429 yards to Tyrod Taylor, then also 348 to Russell Wilson with that 281 mark to Landry Jones as well. And the thing with the Jets here too is that a, a lot of it for Fitzpatrick has been his injury. It's been uh, – the Jets trying to kind of, you know, cut off his awfulness by running the football a lot. But they've also been without Nick Mangold. He is their center. He has been an all-pro for basically as long as he's been in the league since he was a first-round pick in 2004. But he may be able to return this week following their bye week. The Patriots 16th against the pass based on number fires metrics, which, again, isn't prohibitive. And if we look at Fitzpatrick, his splits are, you know, decent. Uh they're decent home road splits. He has 3.79 passing net expected points at home this year compared to negative 14.25 on the road. So he's been bad at home, but he's been atrocious on the road. The Jets are at home in this one, which is good for him. You always worry about a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and his degaffness at home or in negative game script. But I guess given the options that we have, you could do worse than this guy here. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's the options that we have this week aren't that great. Um, the matchup, I am a slave to matchup usually when it comes to quarterback streaming. And this has become one of the top matchups for myself when I'm targeting quarterbacks on a stream. Uh, we have a writer on 2QBs.com by the name of Sean Fichetti. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Fantasy Process. Now, that's much easier to say. Yes. So he's created this uh, metric called PAVE, points allowed versus expectation, which basically shows um, how many fantasy points a defense is allowing to a certain position more than what they're expected to. And the Patriots currently have the second highest PAVE score, which means they are allowing 19% more fantasy points to the quarterback position 
position than than expected. Uh, tops is the Detroit Lions at 33%. Uh, when Sean introduced this metric on our site back in week nine, the Patriots had the sixth highest pay metric at a rate of 14%. So it just means they've gotten worse at stopping the quarterback position the last three weeks. And uh, no, the Jets and Patriots haven't started this year, but in two starts against New England last year as a starting quarterback of the Jets, Ryan Fitzpatrick averaged 21.92 fantasy points. Uh, his season-long average was 17.8, and he finished as a QB8 and QB4 in those two performances. Uh, so just like I said, the implied team total isn't that high, but I feel this game sets up where the Patriots will just um, pass at will, score points at will, forcing the Jets to play catch-up mode, which I think will favor Ryan Fitzpatrick because he has never been shy about throwing a football. <laughs> but at the same time, there is a floor where he gets picked off on 15% of his passes and could even get benched by Bryce Petty, as a uh, Twitter follower pointed out to me today. So there is a floor there, but I just think that everything else, no, not the greatest matchups for other quarterbacks, the uh, defense he's facing kind of just add up to Fitzpatrick as a top streamer for me this week. Yeah, I think that, and that makes sense. And I think that another thing too to add in here is I mentioned that I'm afraid, deathly afraid of Ryan Fitzpatrick and negative game script, but the Patriots had Colin Kaepernick in that last week as well. And he, from an efficiency standpoint, was okay. Um, his success rate was low, but he still had, you know, 2.5 passing net expected points, which isn't terrible given what he is as a passer now. So yeah, I think that they're not really capable of shutting down an opponent in negative game scripts. So yeah, I think that I think that there are enough reasons to like him where I'm okay with it given the alternatives. Right. And I like Cap, we like him for his um, four based on his rushing capabilities. There was a time where we used to consider Ryan Fitzpatrick a sneaky rushing quarterback. Yeah, he has that's true. three games this year where he's rushed for over twenty yards. Uh, last season he reached that mark. Uh, seven times and even had a touchdown one week uh, against the Patriots in his two games last year. He rushed for 29 yards in one game and 13 in the other. So, I mean, 1.3, 2.9, let's say a point half to three point uh, boost from the rushing game definitely would not hurt uh, Fitzpatrick and would help if he ended up <laughs> getting a pick or two. Yeah, we just need Konami Fitz to to rise again. He was actually at one point last year leading all quarterbacks in rushing net expected points. Uh, I remember the, this just like shocking me when I was sorting through some stupid stats at one point, and he was number one. So let's revive old Fitzy and uh, let's fire up them legs again. Let's do it up Fitzpatrick. I don't write too many streaming articles, so try not to make me right. too much of an idiot this week. All right, so uh, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick. We just kind of briefly talked about him. He's our other quarterback streamer of the week that we like more than uh, pretty much every quarterback on on the slate that could fit this criteria. The San Francisco 49ers are playing the Miami Dolphins on the road this week. Implied team total of 45.5, which went up half a point from when I checked out earlier today. The Niners have a implied team total of 19 points, or 7.5 road underdogs. As Jim astutely mentioned earlier, we don't really care if Cape is a big underdog. We actually kind of like it. Uh, but one thing we do not like is the current 18-mile-per-hour wind projections in this one. Whew. <laughs> not great, right? No, and this game is in Miami. 
Why is that? It, this has been weird. Miami's actually had high wins a couple of times this year. In that Pittsburgh game uh, where the Steelers had their predictable road awfulness, they was high wins too. I can't tell if this is like a thing where it's always high there or what. I don't know. But it's high again this week, and it's uh, a little scary, I guess. I mean, I like – I'm on the number fire DFS helper lineup page, and I like right now in the precipitation section, there's a 3% chance of sun at 1 o'clock for this game. <laughs> I mean, that just completely alters my perspective of sunny Miami that I have in my head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then again, it is also the end of November. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, looking at Colin Kaepernick, I think that uh, you talked about it, Sal. Implied team total doesn't really affect this guy. He's had low implied team totals every game this year except for that New Orleans game, and he's still been a really solid fantasy asset. They're seven and a half point underdogs uh, with an implied team total of 19. But I think that given what we've seen, we kind of know where those 19 points are going to come from. They're not going to be able to run the football in this game if Miami does get ahead. Uh, so that kind of takes Carlos Hyde out of the fold. And it means that if they do score 19 points, it's probably going to benefit Colin Kaepernick in a solid way. Uh, the Dolphins do rank ninth against the pass based on number fires metrics. But if you look at the list of quarterbacks they've faced, it includes Jared Goff. Off in rain, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who again, not very good this year. <laughs> Terrell Pryor had, I think, five dropbacks against them. Cody Kessler in that game as well. And also Jacoby Brissett uh, after uh, um, after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in that game. And Garoppolo just shredded them before he went out. So, yes, their defense is better than it has been in the past. I would agree with that. But it's not necessarily as good as their current ranking may indicate. And that's not really a huge concern with Kaepernick to begin with because we're more enamored with his rushing upside. He has 7.2 rush attempts per game since he became the starter with 52 rushing yards. And this Dolphins defense has given up yards on the ground to opposing quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota ran for 60 yards against them. And Tyrod Taylor had 35. And I think that Cap, uh, his rushing upside is higher than both of those guys, even though they both... Both are very talented rushing quarterbacks. So like you said, uh, Sal, the wind is a concern at 18 miles per hour. But if there's one quarterback for whom I'm not going to worry about wind, it's probably Colin Kaepernick. Uh, So I think that there are concerns here, but there's enough for me to like it. Yeah, I mean, in this game, if the wind does hold up the way that it's projected, Kaepernick's second read is going to be to tuck and run, which helps us in fantasy football. You mentioned Mariota and Taylor both had uh, 60 and 35 yards rushing, respectively. They both also scored a rushing touchdown in those games. And if we uh, tack on Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had 26 rushing yards against him, the Dolphins have allowed three quarterbacks to rush for at least 25 yards against him this year. They are allowing uh, 3.8 rushing attempts per game to the quarterback position, which is tied for six most in the NFL. And they're also allowing the ninth most rushing yards per game to quarterbacks at a rate of 14.6 yards per game. We've seen Colin Kaepernick in his five starts is averaging 52 rushing yards per game, which equates to 5.2 fantasy points on the ground. So like we talk every week, if you had like five to six points just from rushing for Colin Kaepernick and he can get 11 or 12 points through the air, you're looking at between, I know, 16, 17, 18 fantasy points from Colin Kaepernick. I mean, uh, and we've seen so far his average on the season is 19.6 points in five games. And that includes one game where he scored 14-ish fantasy points. I believe he scored at least 18 fantasy points in four of his five starts this year. So he's definitely uh, 
been a quarterback streaming hero since being given the uh, start by Chip Kelly. And if we just look at his game logs, these are his rushing yardage per game breakdown. 66 yards, 84 yards, 23 yards, 55 yards, 32 yards. Uh, if you can throw in a quarterback in your QB2 slot who you know is going to get like 52, 55 rushing yards per game, it's kind of hard not to start him. And on the year, Miami is allowing an average quarterback finish of QB 16 with um, three top three fantasy quarterback finishes on the year. Uh, you know, you add up the potential for Kaepernick to get yards on the ground. I can see him flirting with, like, top 12, top 15 in this game. Yeah, why not? I think that's that's definitely realistic. Um, and uh, like you mentioned with Kaepernick, you mentioned the one game where he didn't have 18 points. That game was on the road in Buffalo in awful weather. It was, I think, like 20-ish mile-per-hour winds in that game. Uh, and Buffalo just destroyed the 49ers. So it, the the conditions here, I would assume, will be better given that uh, that it's not going to be 20 mile per hour wins. Hopefully it might be, uh, but I also don't think that Buffalo's defense or that Miami's defense is as good as their metrics say. So if he can get, you know, 14 ish points in those conditions, I'm pretty okay with what he can do here. Yeah. Like I said, I always have a floor of around 15 fantasy points. I'm looking for my quarterback two slot and Kaepernick, provides that potential just because of his Russian ability. Mm -hmm. All right. So that actually does it for all our, our top streamers of the week. We've been mentioning all podcasts long. It's not a great week for quarterback streaming. <laughs> so I'll just quickly move into our clipboard or clipboard holder segment of the week. And uh, the quarterback we're benching or would recommend you bench if you have the uh, abilities to do so is Andy Dalton on the road against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. This game has a 40.5 over-under. The Bengals have an 18 implied team total, 4.5 road underdogs. And another game with uh, wind concerns, this one currently at 16 miles per hour. Yeah, that's not great, Bob. And <laughs> I think that, that my big concern here, it all stems from A.J. Green. Uh, without Without him, the Bengals, like you said, four and a half point underdogs, an implied team total of 18. And I think that Vegas is pretty heavily, you know, dinging the Bengals for being without uh, without Green. And that's for good reason. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, Baltimore ranks 14th against the pass and fourth in overall defense, according to number fires metrics. We had talked before the year about how we kind of expected Baltimore to be a lot better this year than they were in the past, given all the injuries they had in 2015. That has really played out uh, kind of the way we expected it this year and it's going to hurt to be without aj green andy dalton has averaged 0.51 passing net expected points this year when targeting aj green which is really high it's one of the highest marks for any wide receiver in the league and no other player on the team comes close to that for cincinnati the closest is tyler eifert at 0.32 so it's it's a bit above half of what uh of Dalton's efficiency to AJ Green. Brandon LaFell, who will likely be the top wide receiver now, is at 0.25, and Tyler Boyd, who will also see more targets, is at 0.1. So the the drop down from AJ Green to Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd is really, really big, and that hurts Dalton's efficiency. It's going to hurt his fantasy output just because efficiency is so big for quarterbacks. And honestly, until A.G. Green gets back, our expectations for Andy Dalton should just be a whole lot lower, uh, given, you know, the offense's ability to function without him. 
I don't know if Gio Bernard really plays a factor in that, his being out too. Uh, they'll lose a bit in the passing game with him relative to Jeremy Hill, whoever may be the passing down back now. Uh, but still, I think that, you know, A.J. Green is enough to really sway you away from this. And then Gio's just kind of icing on the cake. Yeah, and then looking at uh, the Ravens at home this year, their defense has played five games there, and they haven't allowed more than 264 yards in passing in any game. And Derek Carr was the only quarterback to pass for multiple touchdowns against them. So the Ravens' defense is better at home. You got the Bengals without A.J. Green, and I I am having a lot of trouble putting Andy Dalton in any lineups this week. I think it's going to be hard to put him in any lineups the rest of the season unless the matchup is really good. Right, unless A.J. Green comes back, yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at the schedule, they got Baltimore this week, then Philly. I mean, Cleveland in Week 14, and then Pittsburgh in Week 15. Uh, I can't remember what they said, the projection of Green coming back, but I think Week 15 they are talking about, Week 16 maybe. But uh, you really can't start him the next two weeks. And Green, I'm uh, not Green, Dalton's been kind of a, a streaky quarterback in his career. And this season, from Week 5 to Week he was averaging 20.9 fantasy points and was a top 12 quarterback in each of those two uh, each of those uh, weeks. But in his last two games, he's averaged 13.47 fantasy points and was the QB 21 and QB 15 respectively. Now he goes into a game without AJ Green, without Gio Bernard. Uh, Baltimore is allowing the 10th fewest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks at 15.8. They have allowed five top 12 finishes this year, but they have also allowed five um, QB 21 or worse finishes which means if you play in a two-quarterback league that has 10 teams, uh, Andy Dalton, I mean, quarterbacks that face Baltimore, those five weeks were basically unstartable. Uh, Green, like, it's, I mean, we can talk about A.J. Green and his impact on the offense, but everybody knows he's the number one role, number one option. In I would his, hope. <laughs> by far, you know, he leads the team in catches, targets, and receiving yards. I know you mentioned you don't think Joe Brown will have as big of an impact as A.J. Green in terms of loss in the passing offense, which, of course, I'm going to agree with. But I was doing the numbers earlier today, and uh, A.J. Green and Joe Bernard combined were targeted on 151 of Andy Dalton's two, um, 360 passes, which combined for a 42% target market share. They um, connected on 105 of those passes for a 45% uh, reception market share. They've combined for 1,300 receiving yards, which was 47% receiving yards market share. And their five touchdowns were 45% receiving touchdown market share in this offense. I know that's more um, A.J. Green than Gio Bernard, but it just shows that those two accounted for so much of that passing offense. And now their top targets are going to be Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Eifert. Uh, to me, it just seems like this is going to be an offense that will just lean more heavily on Jeremy Hill in the running game going forward. Yeah, you're talking about the market shares. And after A.J. Green went down against the Buffalo Bills, Gio Bernard had eight targets in that game. Like, he he really did fill a big role. So you're right. Absolutely right about that. He does have a bigger role than, than people may estimate. And it's going to definitely have an effect here. Um, You know, Gio's efficiency was never super high as a receiver, but I guess relative to other running backs, it was still decently high. Um, so, yeah, it's going to play a role, and uh, I, I'm i very worried about Andy. I'm worried about Jeremy Hill because of this, which is show, shows you how important A.J. Green is to this offense. Even if he does run the ball more and get more receptions, I'm still worried about him because A.J. Green you know, helps this offense from an efficiency standpoint so much. Also, just looking at this offense, Andy Dalton has 11 passing touchdowns this season. 
That is the 21st most in the league. And just for comparison's sake, Drew Brees leads the league with 26 passing touchdowns. I mean, 11 passing touchdowns in 10 games. Uh, A.J. Green and Brandon LaFell were the only two to catch more than one passing touchdown this year. It it was already kind of, you know, (laughs) not the greatest passing game to begin with. And now with A.J. Green and Joe Bernard out for the season, it's just like fade Andy Dalton. Yeah, absolutely. 100% on board with that. All right, so moving on from our clipboard holder segment of the week is our final segment of the podcast, the Rapid Fire segment, where we list off a uh, few quarterbacks we like but don't love. And um, as you might have uh, figured out by this podcast, we only have one Rapid Fire recommendation this week, (laughs) and that is the almighty Ryan Tannehill. Uh, We've already mentioned the San Francisco uh, Miami game earlier when we recommended our good friend Colin Kaepernick. So we'll just quickly run down this one. Like I said it's still 45.5 over under, uh, still 18, 18 mile per hour wins, but Miami has 26.5 implied team total compared to San Francisco's 19, making them a 7.5 home favorite. High implied team total, highish over under, uh, high home favorite. Uh, but 18 miles per hour wind kind of uh, brings us back down to reality. I'll just start this one off quickly for us, Jim. Uh, Miami and San Francisco in this game we mentioned. San Francisco is currently allowing an average quarterback finish of QB12. They have allowed seven top 12 finishes. They're allowing the fifth most fantasy points to the quarterback position at 19.1 points per game. Uh, they've allowed 18 or more fantasy points in a game to a quarterback seven times this year. And uh, this is an offense that also let Drew Stanton throw two touchdowns against them, as well as seven other quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big part of it, too. And I think that if you look back, it might have been just last week, but sometime on this podcast, we essentially wrote off Ryan Tannehill as an option because the Dolphins seemed so intent on running Jay Ajayi. And so you'd think, well, why would we go back to him so quickly? From my perspective, that's not as much of an issue when you're facing San Francisco, not just because their defense is bad, which it is, but because San Francisco runs such a high pace, it gives the opposing offense more plays. And let's say the Dolphins run the ball an extreme amount, 60% of the time. If they run the ball 60% of the time against Dallas, they're not going to get a lot of a lot of passing attempts. But if they run the ball 60% of the time against a team like San Francisco, you can still get Ryan Tannehill to push 30 or so attempts in that game. And that's, again, with an extreme number in the rushing category. So the pace of the opposing team does boost Ryan Tannehill's floor up quite a bit. And that's kind of my main point here in wanting to target him. And also, we've been so against Tannehill recently because the Dolphins seem to hate him justifiably. I, I think that that's, that's fine. Uh, he's not very good. So I understand it, but they might not have a choice, but to throw in this game, if we look at the big run that Jay Ajayi got on, it happened once they got Brandon Albert, Laramie Tunsil and Mike Pouncey all healthy. Their first game, they all played together this year was that game where Jay Ajayi ran for 200 yards. The first time I should say he had 200 yards was when they all got together last week. 
Albert missed the game because he had surgery on a wrist that was dislocated. He missed the game. Mike Pouncey injured his hip on Saturday, and he missed the game as well. Laramie Tunsil started at left tackle for Brandon Albert, and he left the game with a shoulder injury. There is a legitimate chance that none of those three guys can play on Sunday. And while that that would lower the expectations for the offense as a whole, it would probably mean that J.H.I. is not going to do a whole lot on the ground in that game. Uh, so it would force him to throw the ball a bit more. Yes, that would hurt Tannehill too, but it would give him more volume. Uh, so that that is definitely a potential factor to consider. It, we're recording this a day early, so we don't really know uh, what Albert Tunsil and Pouncey will look like in practice this week, but there is a possibility for some additional passing volume for Tannehill for this week. Uh, the 49ers, 18th against the pass, based on number fires metrics the 49ers have allowed Jameis winston drew stanton and tyrod taylor to all throw multiple touchdowns without exceeding 30 pass attempts this year and then russell wilson and trevon boykin combined to do the same on just uh, 28 attempts so i don't think tannell's upside is very big in this game which is why it's i think it's right to keep him in keep him below Fitzpatrick and Kaepernick, but I do think that his floor is is pretty high in this game, which is why I'm kind of into him, even though for the rest of the season, he's not a guy I want to target very often. Yeah, and if you look at the game-by-game breakdowns, it's really just been Casey Keenum and Drew Stanton, who haven't done a whole lot in against this defense in terms of fantasy points. I mentioned Drew Stanton did throw two touchdowns against them. Uh, if you take him out of the equation, basically since week two, this defense has just been giving up fantasy points to the quarterback position. Their last uh, three games, they've seen uh, two quarterbacks throw for over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. We have uh, Drew Brees threw for three touchdowns against them. Tom Brady threw for four. He almost hit that 300-yard marker, which would have been three straight 300-yard games. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, as much as we like to write him off or try to write him off, he has produced in favorable matchups this year. Uh, against New England in Week 2, scored almost 23 fantasy points. Um, against Cleveland in Week 3, scored almost 19. Week 7 against Buffalo had just over 16. Week 10 against San Diego on only 24 attempts. He had uh, just over 19 fantasy points. Uh, f- almost scored 15 points against the Los Angeles Rams defense. has been Pretty decent at stopping the quarterbacks last week in a game that was kind of brutal to watch and read the box score afterwards. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we like to say that we don't like Ryan Tannehill, but we also like to say we'll pretty much start any quarterback in a favorable matchup, and that is exactly what the San Francisco defense has been this year against the quarterback position. And he's currently riding a, uh, we'll, we'll call it a hot streak for Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> of uh, two straight games of two passing touchdowns. Hey, I'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be picky when we're when we're picking bottom of the barrel here. So I'll I'll take that streak for sure. And plus, it's kind of hard to find uh, a streaming quarterback with a high implied team total that Miami currently sports to. So there yeah. are some pluses to Ryan Tannehill this week. Yeah, that's kind of how I start my process here from a streaming perspective. Is I go to the the heat map, which is a premium thing on number fire and it lists it sorts teams by their implied team total now i just kind of go down the list and see which teams with high implied team totals have streaming quarterbacks and there aren't really a lot of good options this week so it's no. pretty much uh it's pretty much what we got uh, if if sammy Watkins or robert woods were healthy tyrod taylor would be awesome but man there's really nothing to like here 
No, 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 there is not. I know sometimes we talk about desperation uh, plays. This week we are looking at the potential of Josh McCowan, Matt Barkley, and Scott Tolzien starting. Uh, I would not be starting any of those guys if I didn't have to. I could be talked into Josh McCowan, but I'm still trying to avoid it. Uh, even Sam Bradford in a you know it's a great matchup against Detroit Lions, I'm kind of hesitant on this week as well. It's just shaping up to not be the greatest of quarterback streaming weeks. Yeah, I mean, Scott Tolzien, he, he's not going to score any touchdowns because Frank Gore will have five himself, and there's just nothing left for him to have. Plus, you don't get bonus for um, spin zone touchdowns. Right. I think you, you should. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if I ran a league, I would put that in the bonuses over yardage bonuses. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. They, they're, they're both meaningless. I will play on that site. <laughs> All right. So that is a wrap for this week's podcast. We mentioned it's going to be short and abbreviated podcast for an abbreviated holiday week. I'll quickly run down our options. We talked about um, streamers, Ryan Fitzpatrick against Patriots, Colin Kaepernick against the Dolphins, uh, Ryan Tannehill against the Niners, clipboard holder of the week, Andy Dalton against the Baltimore Ravens. So that pretty much is a wrap on the QB2 Experience Podcast for Week 12. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at 2QBFFB. Uh, you can find my work on uh, 2QBs.com. You will not find me having Thanksgiving dinner because I have already had mine. But Jim, I wish you a uh, very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank and, you. Appreciate uh, that. Why don't you let the audience know where they can find your work? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Jim Sonnes, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S. I'll be tweeting about green bean casserole for roughly the next 48 hours. So you can find me there. And then also all my work is up on numberfire.com. Perfect. All right. So that does it for this week. Um, everybody out there listening, have a happy, fun, but most importantly, a safe Thanksgiving dinner with your friends and family. And uh, as usual, happy streaming.